Welcome back to We Want More, the analysis podcast of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. I'm your host, Stephen Zuber, and with me as always is my co-host. I'm a co-host. Oh, you want my name? Brian. <laughs> analysis sounds so like like heavy, man. We're we're having fun. I make it analysis sound analysis sounds like the kind of thing I procrastinate about and not do. Well. We're we're talking shit about Harry Potter. Are we? Well, we haven't talked anything yet, so uh-huh. Before we dive into talking shit or otherwise about Harry, I had a couple things to get out of the way, uh, administrative-wise. So I've had banner art for the podcast um, on the website this whole time that I completely forgot to mention where it came from. That came from uh, Lorik on the Bayesian Conspiracy Podcast's Discord. When I put out task if anyone wanted to make some, they made some, and it's awesome. And uh, yeah, so that's there. They also I've been. I should go back and look. I've been so avoiding the website, trying to make sure I didn't like accidentally run into some kind of spoiler that I barely even remember what the what it looks like. Well, we'll I think we're going to um, figure out how to make community involvement an actual achievable thing here for you because it, it's a lot of fun and I'm, I feel like you're missing out a lot. So I know we, and everyone's really cool. I had no idea there were so many people. I feel, see, this is what I'm worried about, though, is that there's all these people and I'm going to say some incredible asshole thing and... And now I have a much wider audience to know what an asshole I am. <laughs> I've I've seen everything they've said about you, and nothing is like nothing has said <laughs> Brian's an asshole. So if any, yeah. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But yeah, so we are there is active community all the or active discussion all the time on the Discord community. We don't have a Discord just for this podcast because you know, I'm lazy and managing Discords is actually like work. So. Um, it's just one channel on the Bayesian Conspiracy Podcasts Discord, which uh, will be linked to in every episode, so including the previous ones. But cool, yeah, it'd be, it'd be it'd be really cool for me to get into it. I've been avoiding it because this is so spoilable. It is. I've been like, but I think so far everyone's been really cool, and I read through all the comments on the website, yeah. and yeah, I think as long as everybody knows, yeah, oh that yeah, I'm radioactive, yeah, they do. They all know the, the rules. Um, there's also a subreddit which. Uh, cron oblivion uh there's x's on either side of it but um there that's the person's username and they put up this awesome post every week that sometimes gets action sometimes doesn't sometimes takes a few days but they type up long analyses too that are um non-spoilerific that said there was one person who put a spoilery comment in there a couple of weeks ago and i just politely said like hey that's a great question but that kind of is a big plot point um but you know i think uh at the very least, I can pull out stuff on Reddit. I think everyone on Discord is alive and will censor each other. And so that, that should work out there. Yeah, that'd be totally cool. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that um, Koi, uh, also on the Discord, made an RSS feed for podcast apps. So you can just cut and paste this URL. And when you go to add a new podcast, you can add it by URL. Cut and paste in the link that's in the show notes for this and every other episode. And what it does is it compiles the audiobook chapters on the same feed with our coverage over those chapters. Clever. I was really impressed that I, I just, I have an Android phone. I just searched for a podcast on their generic podcast app and there we were. Snazzy. Nice. Well, so you searched for We Want More. What did I, I, what did I, or maybe it was just if you search for HPMR, I can't remember that, but it's 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 our podcast. It's not it's not the audiobook one. Okay. Yeah. Neat. Well. Let me see. Yeah, we want more. Maybe it just. Oh, it looks like I think it got tacked onto the end of the. But yeah, there's chapter eight. Yeah, I think it got tacked onto the end of the audiobook feed. Yeah. So that's that's what I did for it. Was 
rather than set up a whole new podcast since it's you know really related to the audiobook and that already exists i figured we could just keep that one alive and put this one on there so so koi put together the rss feed that he put in is uh it puts the audiobook chapters next to our chapters cool yeah so if you're uh if you like to read books with your ears that's the way to do it that's what i'm doing but i'm going through and finding them all manually but now i don't have to because i used koi's rss feed which includes our neat little square version of our artwork that loark made so Basically, you guys are all super awesome, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I think that's all I've got for administrative notes on this chapter or on this episode so far. So yeah, we can get right into it, man. Alrighty. So this was it, and you had said already, like chapter. It's the first ten chapters for it to like really get going. Yeah, that, that's 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 what the author said. Yeah. Um, that yeah, he said that because yeah, because for me, the, like chapter ten. Well, actually, it wasn't even in chapter nine. It wasn't until chapter ten. I'm like, oh, okay, we made it. Because, but well, yeah, we'll get into it. But so now I'm, I'm like all cool with the book. I'm not pissed off at Harry anymore. And well, we're good. We've got to talk about this this <laughs> yes. whole path of self discovery here for you. So, yeah. Um, how do you want to kick off? Uh, well, I guess we could. I mean, we could summarize these whole two chapters as far as plot in two sentences which is Hermione gets sorted Harry argues with the hat and then he gets sorted done so it's like as far as plot like barely anything happened in two chapters but it was really cool I really um this was cool yeah I guess both chapters take place over the course of like 15 minutes so yeah I guess so I mean however long he's under the hat so yeah so I guess I mean we could just Talk, like it's so it starts out that they're just it just opens right in the the sorting ceremony and there's a they're like calling out random names and then Hermione gets sorted into Ravenclaw and a big surprise uh, and then it goes into Harry starting to get sorted and then that's the whole thing is him talking to the hat but I didn't want to jump ahead because who is what's her name Sally Ann Perks. So who is Sally Ann Perks? Yeah. I could tell, that's the, is that some, that's some inside joke, huh? Well, so let's see. Yeah. The quote was, oh, wait, we should get, so as they're, as they're calling out, uh, you know, made up students to be sorted, uh, and they're calling up a bunch of names, but this one was Sally Ann Perks. What is it? Professor McGonagall called Perks Sally Ann. And from the gathered children detached a pale waifish girl who looked oddly ethereal, like she might mysteriously disappear the moment you stopped looking at her and never be seen again or even remembered. I'm like, okay, this, there's something going on here that I'm missing. So this could Tell be me. like, so this is, uh, this never forgets that it's a fan fiction. Like it does, in my humble opinion, develop a really strong and compelling story, but it, it, it stays fairly constant with the like number of references to just tons of other random things. Um, this might be one of those. I remember reading about this years ago, and I think that Sally Ann Perks was actually sorted in the first Harry Potter book and just never mentioned again. And so I think I think maybe it's just a joke at the canon version. Gotcha. So nothing nothing super fun, at least yet, going on with, with Sally Ann Perks. I think it was just a, a throwaway about how there was this person mentioned sorted, a, that was sorted in Harry's shirt. grade. And we'd never hear from again in the rest of the series. That's my recollection, but I, I guess we can just double check. I'll read the uh, sorting on the original books and see if, if Sally Ann Perks is in there. So, <laughs> yeah, so Sally Ann gets sorted. There was this funny line that I liked where when, so just going through the sorting, um, Michael Corner gets sorted into Ravenclaw, and then Harry's looking across the whole table of professors and Dumbledore's up there and he's described as 
you know, the wizened, perspectable, or it's <laughs> how, oh yeah, here's the quote. So um, in the tallest chair at the table, really more of a golden throne, sat a wizened and bespectacled ancient with a silver white beard that looked like it would go almost to the floor if it were visible, watching over the sorting with a benevolent expression, a, as stereotypical in appearance as a wise old man could possibly be without actually being oriental. And for some reason that line jumped out at me because I'm like, why the hell would you throw that I in know, there? I know, yeah, I think it's like but then uncomfortably... I think it was intentionally an uncomfortable use of the word oriental. Yeah, I guess it could be that, but I, I, it, I, I'm not sure where oriental lands on the, like, you're okay to use this word or not, but then it, it, it made more sense to you. And I remembered, uh, how you pointed out what a weeb Harry is when he was doing science on his bag of holding (laughs) and he knew some Japanese. Mm -hmm. So I'm betting it's just a fair bet that Harry watched tons of anime and every wizened ancient, uh, in anime, I guess would be, Japanese um yeah it struck me it struck me as being on purpose because like if you were just randomly thinking that you wouldn't just even if you were thinking like you you would say Asian at least or but you probably wouldn't think like you know generic quote oriental you'd be like oh like a ancient Chinese master or something so like you'd drill in seemed I was thinking it was intentional sort of making fun of the fact that it's this non-specific stereotype of a non-specifically wise ancient person Hmm. Yeah, I, I I just liked the weeb call out too, but <laughs> so I mean he goes through and describes everyone else sitting at the table. There was this part that that you pulled out and that I liked too about Professor Flitwick being half goblin, and I don't know if they talk about in this chapter about oh, yeah. Hagrid being half giant, but oh yeah, no they didn't. Yeah, but they do talk about uh, Flitwick having goblin ancestry, which just calls to mind the question we've all been asking ourselves since we were old enough to consider that at some point a human-sized person mated with a giant-sized woman to make Hagrid and uh you know so whatever point I mean it's spelled out that he's half giant in the first book but it wasn't until like one of the later Mm -hmm. ones where we learned that his his dad was i think the muggle his, or yeah the human and that his yeah, mom was the giant his dad was human as well and i don't know yeah. what rowling was thinking because you know i read these as a kid so i, I think i, I recall that her playing with that too like she almost like even hinted at the silliness of it like the impossibility of the whole thing she was kind of playing around with it well i mean having sex because, with someone yeah, like, haggard size would be you know dangerous but well, yeah, he's I only think, half like, giant, they right? portray giants as being like, they, and they portray giants as being like 30 feet tall. So yeah. So what know. the hell is going on there? I guess we're just nope, invited to, that to think well about endowed. it. But um, Harry's curious about Flitwick being part goblin. Um, someone says half breed, but the only thing that we get from the prefect is that he has goblin ancestry, which for whatever that means, I guess, yeah, I guess Harry speculates, but we don't know. It's, it's not clear whether or yeah. not goblins are their own offshoot of magical genetics or if you know some wizard mated with some goblin creature um yeah or harry harry said like where do goblins even come from and hermione just like distractedly says like lithuania yeah thanks that's it's like that's not what i meant technically that's correct is meant. the best kind of correct <laughs> <laughs> i i just pulled out one little line that i just thought was funny is when they're talking about that i think it's when somebody says half breed or something that one of the uh Ravenclaw prefect says, hush, hushed another prefect. I just, I just like that they turned hush into a verb. Oh yeah. Verbing is tight. Hush, hush, hush. I also like that verbing is also like using verb as the word verbing is verbing something. Verb as a verb. Yeah. Can't get enough of it. 
There's a nice little... And then the other cool like little insider line of... Because when she gets sorted... In, I think it was when he was wondering if if she was about to get... If Hermione was going to get sorted into Ravenclaw. He says, in what weird alternate universe would that girl not be sorted into Ravenclaw? Hmm. Yeah, Brian. That's funny. In what, in what weird universe... If, if, if Hermione Granger isn't a Ravenclaw, then tell me who the hell is. Because <laughs> every... I guess nobody's. Who was even Ravenclaws? I don't remember any distinct Ravenclaws. I don't think we had any. There was some like random. Because what was Cho from another? I think Cho might have been a Ravenclaw, or was she also a Gryffindor? I can't. Remember. She might have been a Hufflepuff. Or... I think. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think she was a Hufflepuff. I do remember. I think for the most, yeah, for the most part, the other the other houses were props. Like they were mostly non characters. Yeah, and that was that was true to the point where the head of House Ravenclaw in the canon series was never even actually said. Um, Everyone sort of assumed it was Flitwick because he's the other professor who got the most screen time. But apparently it was Professor uh, Sinestra, uh, which nobody remembers. Who? Exactly. Um, it was just some throwaway thing. Like she didn't even think about the other houses. So uh, in this yeah. one, it's Professor Flitwick, which I think makes a lot of sense. So who is Hufflepuff? Was that Sprout? I guess I would guess Sprout. Yeah. Professor Sprout was uh, Hufflepuff in, in both versions. I'm distracted by thinking about the florist that we had for my wedding. The way that she was described like her like professional professionalist and punctuality and everything about her i was kind of just like picturing like the person from the devil wears prada um and then i met her and she looked and just felt to me like professor sprout i'm like okay yeah this actually makes perfect sense <laughs> but i was picturing somebody like way more like prim and proper and this and that but like no she's like her hands are dirty she's you know she's working with with plants all day she wasn't just like standing there barking orders at, at minions or something anyway Distracted about nice. that, so where was I? Well, yeah, that's the thing as far as like as far as talking about plot advancement. Like, I mean, that's it. We kind of <clears throat> that was all as far as plot. Yeah, for the most part, um, you did point out that Severus uh, gets a bit more. Um, yeah, he's like immediately. He's immediately kind of sinister and threatening. I think a lot because I think in the books he was kind of in the beginning, sort of more kind of comically, sort of harsh and almost silly, but. Um, He's sort of immediately like scary and threatening right away in this one. Um, and I guess that's, I mean, that's good because we all know who he's going to turn out to be. So it's not like you can try to roll the clock back and pretend that he's not for anybody else. But I thought it wasn't even bad, but I thought it was sort of interesting. Like we're immediately like he's crushing his, when he sees Harry, he starts like crushing his goblet in his hand. Right. Which makes him both seem like very badass and like super threatening, but... Yeah, I, just, I thought it was interesting that we were kind of immediately going there with him. Yeah, it's either this Snape just hates Harry even more or we're just getting a better look at him or something. I guess the other difference is that we're seeing this from Professor McGonagall's point of view rather than from Harry's at that point, right? So yeah. it's also worth noting just for the sake of historical posterity that uh, I think it was at the top of the chapter in the author's notes that when Harry... It's, in fact, it's actually in the Omake chapter, which is like the kind of just like throwaway joke chapter between um, 10 and 11. The original version of this scene is in that one, which you are welcome to read, I guess, later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like not official. Well, yeah, it, it was official at one point. Basically, when Harry is going and they and the original version of him walking to the to the hat involved the Weasley twin. You know what? I actually won't spoil it. Um, it's in the Omake. It's funny, but it's people had really mixed reactions to it. So he went with this version instead. But for a while, the official version was different. So, uh, I mean, it's not plot different. It was just funny. So I will only mention it because... I was thinking that 
I, I called that out somewhere else that uh, I thought it was there was some he gets in later. Well, we can get into that, that the particular thing that brought it up, but it just made me think like how weird and like for me it would be super uncomfortable writing this in the presence of an audience like where every single chapter that you put out is going to be immediately you know fan fiction critiqued. Um, I would think you'd be so self-conscious as you were writing, not so much like, oh, my ego couldn't handle it, but like you'd be so self-conscious about every little thing you wrote sort of being like scrutinized, I think mostly for content. That was one of the things, well, I, I could talk about it. Like once he starts getting um, sorted and he's talking to the hat, the hat is sort of explaining to him like, well, yes, I know all this stuff historically, but I don't know anything specific. I only have, it's just this sort of like really strained explanation of what the hat does and does not know. Uh, which sort of stuck out to me as just sort of a like a preemptive reaction to how people might be, you know, just sort of plot policing it rather than, you know, whether it was important to the story or whatever. Yeah, it's a fine line to walk. And I, th- I think as far as far as plot policing, you know, if it takes any substantial divergence from the canon version, I think people just have to roll with it. But if like there's inconsistencies, this will be pointed out, right? Um, I keep mentioning Worm and Ward because... Uh, well, they're good and relevant because this podcast is ripping off We've Got Worm. But uh, the author to that writes two chapters a week and then just publishes them, and that's it. And the, it's the, the story is amazing, and it's like the chapters are really long too. But so, I mean, aside just from the work involved, the entire work is like a first draft. You know, it, it doesn't get any screening except for yeah. when he finishes it and hits, hits publish, and then it immediately goes out to the entire world. So that's that's really distinct from like the average or the, the typical writing process where you write something and then it goes off to another yeah. comes back to you like, yada yada right yeah that one stuck out to me more like i think you'd knowing that going in you would end up being so much more wary of you know little plot holes and stuff i think even to the like to this one it, it stuck out as awkward i'm like we really don't need to worry about what the hat can and can't know and is the hat going to say something that it shouldn't have known or if it does know this then why didn't it know the other thing i think that gets more into kind of like that suspension of disbelief stuff again where it's like i don't it it's okay if there's little things wrong with it as long as you make me not care uh and so this was like going and like chasing down every little thing but it, I'm, it wasn't so much that that was like a you know huge problem but it was it made me think like oh this must have been so hard to do knowing every chapter you put out there is because it's not just like oh you're getting an audience it's like you're getting an audience of us nerds that love picking that stuff apart <laughs> i i think um i want to get That'd into that rough. but i i i guess we'll talk about that really quick well i i tell you what i want to go into that kind of in depth but before that um this chapter wraps up with the hat saying oh dear this has never happened before and when this chapter first aired, the author apparently issued a, a public challenge saying, if anyone can guess what that sentence means, I'll tell them the whole plot of the rest of the book. So you've already read it, and I wouldn't have given you the same offer anyway, but I'm curious what you thought was happening when the hat replied. I can't, I mean, you know, I can't remember because I, I didn't like break them break them apart. I immediately went into reading chapter nine. I would have, if you'd asked me, I would have thought that it ended with chapter nine where we knew a kind of where we knew like the last like yes it was a oh my but was it not just known because i thought it was like oh my i've become self-aware that's never happened is that not how it ended it just ends because me i just kind of read it all together yeah no that's fair 
the, the chapter nine just ends with him saying, oh dear, this has never happened before. And that's all we get. Um, in fact, the title of the chapter, chapter nine is Redacted. Yeah, Redacted. Where I think it used to be Self-Awareness Part One, or at the very least, it was always known that that, that was the goal, was to make it that the implicit name of the chapter was Self-Awareness Part One. But Oh uh, yeah, I guess I see it now. Like he just, so yeah, it could have been anything. It could have been like, oh, I've never had a future Dark Lord or something. Yeah, we have no idea what was new about this. Oh. Yeah, I sort of spoiled it for myself because I immediately just flipped the page and started reading again. That's all right. And chapter 10 actually oh. picks up with like the last two paragraphs of chapter 9, so it feels like it flows perfectly. Yeah, it was um, a little weird, yeah. So, yeah. And that may be why, too. Yeah, because it repeats the last few paragraphs. It makes it easy for flow, I guess. Um, yeah, so the hat's self-aware, which is... You know, interesting, because Harry sat under it, wondering, "Is this thing self-aware?" And apparently had enough going on in his head about what the implications of that were to cause it to be self-aware. Um, and that makes me—that's—that brings me to what you're mentioning about the hat, um, this mention of disbelief and all the rules and stuff. I thought that what it was trying to do was set up hard um, barriers for like. The limits of the hat's power which is why it could just give harry every answer he needed so and why it talks like harry does like so the the explanation was yeah like, there's that it seemed like it just went to like it was more it was it was almost like cya on the plot like he was too worried about well if, then if i have the hat say a certain thing then it'll imply that this hat knows all these other things that oh well then he should have said it or if he doesn't know that then why doesn't he know this other thing it was just like worrying about it too much. It's just like, just kind of do what the story wants to do and just we won't worry about it too much. I can feel, yeah. I think the, in in my, just thinking about it from, from the, I guess partly from the author's perspective, but also from Harry's perspective, is that if the hat was like munchkin, munchkinable in some way like that, Harry would find a way to exploit it, right? Um, like if the hat was like, yes, I know all those things, but I won't tell you, then he's like, oh, then I'll fucking mm-hmm. make you. Um I think I liked the way that it set it up. The other thing, just from the author's perspective, is like he's been an artificial intelligence researcher, and eh, that doesn't roll off the tongue at all. He's been an artificial intelligence researcher for something like a decade before he wrote this book. And so I think mm-hmm. thinking of alien minds that way, and so I think he, if I'm, if my mental model of the author is accurate, he sat down and thought, okay, how would this work? Well, it's basically just a, it's it's a mind that wants to sort the children like that's 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 its goal and it actually has that magical want or that want magically built into it um and then of course rather than make it speak maybe you know whatever founder made it what rather than make it speak in whatever old english the the founders spoke in or something the the they thought ahead and were like you know what we'll just have it borrow the lexicon of the kids whose head it's head it's put on and this and that so um, yeah. yeah, that was the quote. The quote I pulled from that was, uh, it was borrowing his intelligence and obviously his technical vocabulary, but it was still imbued with only its own strange goals, like negotiating with an alien or an artificial intelligence. Right. I highlighted that, I, I had highlighted that because it had reminded me, the, the other book I'm in the middle of uh, reading with my daughter right now is, we just started on Terry Pratchett. Um, so we're reading Hatful of Sky, and there's a... It's called a Hiver, which is a weird name. There's this like monster that like uh, possesses the main character Tiffany Aching, uh, but it's sort of described as like it's not like a spirit, and it's not really. 
so it's not so much this thing that has its mind of its own, but it like uses your mind. It like it just wants someone to think for it. Um, and so that's sort of reminded when it described the the hat as just sort of like using the the intelligence of the kid that it that it's on. It reminded me of that. Like it's this kind of it's a direction without a conscience of its own until it does. Hmm. Yeah. I I think. No, that, that makes sense. And I haven't read that book, but it, I, I need to read more books. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, Instead of just talking about books that you already read over and over again. It's true. And rereading them <laughs> and all this. See, I'm much more of like a an exploit rather than explore personality type. Like if I find something I like, I just tend to keep liking it over and over rather than risk taking a chance on something else. Because what if it sucks and I wasted my time? So like, oh, I'll rewatch movies I, guess I'm I like. I similar. Like, uh, see, I almost... I rarely... Yeah, well, there's so there's a small handful of movies I will watch over and over again, but almost never that. And I think I've only read, there's only like three books ever that I've read more than once, uh, maybe five. Um, but I guess what's similar is that what I'll, I will find an author that I like, and then I will just read everything they wrote. I won't read any of it twice, but I will read everything they wrote. And so I'll sort of like go through series of different authors. Nice. I, that way, but yeah. I should do I that. I almost never read anything twice. Maybe this will be one that you read twice. Maybe this will make that short list because this really lends itself to Unlikely. a fun on a reread. But I'll I'll save that for when we finish the books. So uh, there was actually a quote from the previous chapter. I know we're jumping around a bit, but since they're all since it's basically one long chapter, it's parts one yeah. and two. So man, but you pulled out um, that line about uh, when Harry's reflecting on people like oh you know they 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 already really like you and appreciate you and he's he has this thought um about how i don't want to read the whole quote if you want to since you pulled it out but about how he couldn't stand to let their their faith in him be false yeah it was sort of t- i think this was as he was walking up to the stage to get sorted that um and he was worried about sort of like looking like an idiot that it, it showed this his sort of weird uh insecurity about like he's sort of, in some ways, he always, even before he knew there was such a thing, like he always self-importantly thought of himself as this, you know, the boy who lived, at least just in the sense of like, oh, I am destined for great things. Um, and so it's, just, but it sort of like talked more nakedly about how the sort of insecurity that, that backs up, I think it's worth reading all of it. Um, Harry couldn't stand to let that be false. And he's talking about like, that people's you know hopes for him would be false to flash and fade like so many other child prodigies to be a disappointment to fail to live up to his reputation as a symbol of the light never mind how he'd gotten it he would absolutely positively no matter how long it took and even if it killed him fulfill their expectations i kind of and i pulled that out and i kind of liked it because it was so neurotic in a way that was clearly like like we're supposed to see it for it for it being neurotic um that it showed like sort of the harry's dysfunction that he was you know fairly aware of too i think that's sort of my big takeaway for for this whole these these two chapters was this is where it was finally like where i was able to like trust like okay the author knows this this isn't i guess my big worry for this is like are we portraying a shitty person as a character or is the author a shitty person (laughs) so i'm like oh thank god there's like self-awareness here it's like okay no this is just a story Hey, and self-awareness, cool. and that's, that's what the name this of the is character. going to be about. There you go. Um, <laughs> I, you know, actually, that is great because that's what, and so I really, really like this because there's all this, you know, I've been getting so wound up about like, oh my God, he's such an asshole. And it's all, and, 
but much of it sounds like it's being justified. Like, oh, are we? Am I just supposed to think this is cool? Um, so this was like a, almost like a huge relief. It's like, oh, okay, not only are we aware of this that that's part of the story, but that's what this is going to be about. Um, so I really dug this. This was cool for me, even though like like we said, like almost nothing plot wise actually happened in this chapter is really full of a lot of this good stuff. And I think this is one of the, this little line where he's like being all insecure about you know what people will think of him and all of this you know really neurotic pressure on himself to overachieve to be you know the boy who lived. Um, it was really cool because it was sort of like half self-aware on his part that he knew, you know, how like unrealistic and unhealthy it was. But then also like we are seeing, you know, how that is motivating his other behaviors. And I like to like this is being shown to us is like, OK, this is a flaw in Harry's character. And this is what has been motivating all of this other behavior we've been seeing. And we're also seeing it as like, oh, and this is like the cost it's having having for him. Like it you know, nags him and it's like causes him all this self-doubt. So I like it. We really got to like all this stuff that has been like this tension that's been building up for the first eight chapters um, is now getting like flipped over and explained like, okay, you're like, yes, everything you've been worrying about, um, that's all true. And then, so we're going to go look into it. So I really like, and there's, we'll get into a little bit more of the other stuff Nice. Uh, that yeah. he said, but I yeah. think that was one of the first, this was like the first hint at it. Yeah. I think the other part of that quote um, he says, he, I, and then he would go on to exceed those expectations so that people wondered, looking back, that they had once asked so little of him. Um, I like it. I think I, I get what you're saying where it feels like he's neurotic. I think what it is is that he knows that he's special in a way that he he does let go to his head. But, I mean, he's he's a... No, I think... So I... Oh, go ahead. I don't, oh, no, I before just, I disagree with you. I was just going to say that, like, he is a child prodigy. You know, he, he can do calculus at 11. Um, he does chess tournaments, whatever, right? So he's he's like, all right, I, I, I've been raised with the understanding that I'm that I'm smarter than other kids. And he's he's been worried and kind of crippled by this fear that, no, man, I, I can't let myself peak at 11. I've, I've got to go on to, to do awesome things and live up to the expectations that people have of somebody who was this far ahead at 11. Um, and you're right. That does yeah, but it calls like it out. Well, and, but it calls it out that I'm skipping way ahead. This is almost right at the end, but as the hat is sort of talking back to him, you know, acknowledging the hats, like, I know everything that, you know, like I am to some extent, just you. Um, and the hat is then talking, and I, I called this out as being like an echo of this, of this earlier thought that, um, Harriet had, but, as the hat is asking him, like, why is this so important that you like achieve great things? And Harry keeps like hedging on giving an honest answer to it. Then the hat just kind of calls him out on it and says, it's just the fear of losing your fantasy of greatness, of disappointing the people who believe in you, of turning out to be pretty much ordinary, of flashing and fading like so many other child prodigies. So I think, I mean, that's being called out as like, okay, this is ultimately a really hollow, insecure, a little quest that you're on that's just trying to sort of compensate for this this kind of unexplored non-specific sense of some kind of inadequacy you're tr you're trying to make up for that it was kind of so and that's and I really like this about it it was like okay we're acknowledging that that's what's going on and that acknowledging that you know this obnoxious arrogance on Harry's part is not justified because he's so awesome that he warrants being that arrogant it's that okay what's going what's up with all this pressure Harry puts on himself and what's up with him feeling like he needs to be you know super special and take over the world um, what's going on there? 
Um, and so we exploited it. And it's like, and the hat kept pressing me. It's like, why, why? And and all Harry could come up with was this super lame response, which was like, I don't know. It would just be bad, which I think was sort of in contrast to like Harry can be so articulate about so many other things, but on this one, he all he can come up with is this super lame, non-explained excuse with the most generic adjective you could possibly apply to it. It would just be bad. It would be bad. Um, <laughs> bad. Um, so I just totally like blew through the the whole rest of it. But I thought that was really cool. And that, and I think that's what I really liked about this. It was sort of like all this stuff that had been kind of bubbling underneath was then sort of like explicitly brought out as like, yes, we all know that Harry's being a dick. Um, and also, and I kind of want to roll back then. I, I jumped this almost all the way to the the front of that but so then when harry's when harry is first saying like oh i need to be in ravenclaw um and the hat is telling him like let me see if i can um um so the hat says if you go to ravenclaw or slytherin it will strengthen your coldness if you go to hufflepuff or gryffindor it will strengthen your warmth that is something i care about a great deal and is and it was what i wanted to talk to you about this whole time um and i think that was like that was kind of the bigger moment when I read that one that um they're sort of acknowledging like okay yeah Harry's been a dick like for these <laughs> this first beginning of the book but then it was also like and it was tying that to like his because because Ravenclaw is just sort of like this proxy for just Harry's like oh I am you know the smartest kid in the room um that that is this like cold kind of oh I'm better than you vibe that he's been giving off and sort of acknowledging like this is not good for you or attractive to anybody and ultimately, like, not even founded in any kind of, you know, healthy desire for anything. Um, so I really like, like, it, it called that out. And, and I also liked how the, like, that, like, he can't bullshit the hat because the hat is basically him. Um, yeah, I liked so. that it gave the hat kind of more, um, I mean, it gave it an actual utility function. Whereas in the book, it, you know, Harry sits under it and says, not Slytherin, please not Slytherin. And it kind of asks him, like, why not? But it, like, in this, I forget the exact quote, but the hat says, I must sort for the good of all the children in all the houses. And so when it offers him Hufflepuff and he's like, what would they get from me? Like, you know, me being a dick and being resentful that they're not as smart as me. And he's like, it wouldn't be fair to them. And he, he there was like this impression that it was like kicking the hat in the balls. Um, yeah. And the way he described the way he even said to himself, like, oh, I would just have like bitter words. I can't remember what exactly he said, but he kind of acknowledged to himself. He's like, yeah, if I went to Hufflepuff, I would be a dick to them. Um, and I like that, too. It's like there's this kind of little like Harry being honest with himself about about how he's been. Well, it's funny because he like he can't not be honest with himself under the hat, which I like. Yeah. He, he's forced yeah. to be self-aware. So it points yeah. out that like, hey, when you when you when you bullied Neville, um, he, he has this argument with the hat, but he, it's, you know, the hat isn't, I mean, the hat is literally this magical thing that can see into his mind, but it's not like it's all knowing it, it can only see into his mind. Yeah. And so it knows that Harry was deceiving himself that no nah, man, yeah. you were rationalizing. And I like, I like that that got called fun. out. Yeah. 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 And I like that that got called out. Cause like, cause that so bothered me, uh, when I was reading, I was like, yeah, no, that was a total dick thing to do. And you knew it was a dick thing to do. And and you came up with this really lame, hyper-intellectual justification for it, but you're full of shit. And I think, um, and that's one of the worries that you had expressed. Like, did Harry know that that was a dick thing to do, or is, this, is that just who he is? Um, I think that's the thing, like, at least the kind of the way I'm taking 
taking how the scene works is like the hat is sort of his Jiminy Cricket where like this, the hat is not saying any, the hat is just some part of him. And so there's nothing the hat's going to tell him that wasn't something that he kind of already believed anyway. So at least that's how I took it. Like all the criticism that the hat was giving was meant that there was some part of Harry that was aware that that stuff's not cool. No, absolutely. I think that's, that's the explicit message of what we're supposed to get here. But that was what you're concerned about when he was being a dick to Neville was like, man, is, is he just an asshole that yeah. we're supposed to like, or does he not know he's an asshole? Well, it turns out that he did kind yeah. of know he was being an asshole, but he talked himself into it because it'd be fun, right? So, the, you know, yeah. it's, and my, it's and like, like, yeah, and my you? huge relief for this was like, okay, that's what this is going to be about, too. So, like, that asshole, like, that's what this story is starting to be about. Um, so, like, all of that tension is going to pay off. It would be pretty awesome to be able to wear the sorting hat, like, for a deliberate, like, meditation or for, like, just kind of <laughs> self therapy. Um, like to be able to have a conversation with a version of yourself that is able to see past what you're trying to avoid thinking about and mm-hmm. uh, I guess make it so you can't rationalize bullshit to yourself, you know? Um, man, that would be... Uh, <laughs> intensely I'm, I'm, uncomfortable I'm, is what it would be. <laughs> well, it'd, it'd be intensely uncomfortable to have it forced on you, I think. I think that if you were like, all right, I'm ready to go introspect. You know, some people will try and do that with the aid of psychedelic drugs or something, but, some, mm-hmm. you know... Sometimes you don't have the the wherewithal to try to introspect when you're on psychedelics. So you're just, yeah. uh, you, you know, you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to try and think stuff. And um, you don't really get to pick what you think about. But this will just have a conversation with you about whatever important thing uh, needs to be talked about. So, yeah. And I really that's what I really liked about this was that it was it was kind of in contrast to, you know, the rest of his sort of arrogance and false confidence was he was just sort of breaking down. He was unsure of why he was doing things. He had no good explanation for, you know, the real reasons like with, with the Neville stuff, like, or, you know, with his expectations of himself, he's like this kid that, you know, pretends to know everything about everything suddenly is at a complete loss for something that should be a fairly simple answer. Um, and I like it because it, cause it, well, a, it was sort of like that honesty about it, but then like that as a kid, you can have sympathy for like, yeah, it's super, you know, it's super fucked up the stuff that he did to like Neville, but seeing, you know, what was really going on for him while he's doing it, it's like, okay, then you can at least like have sympathy for the imperfection rather than trying to come up for some justification for why it's not an imperfection. But yeah. Uh, what wasn't imperfection? Sorry. I, uh, I lost you for a second. Is just so that his like that cruelty that him and the um, and the uh, Weasley kids had when they were like terrorizing Neville, like he had initially come up with this whole justification why why that was just fine to do, um, but then while he's you know trying to talk through it with the hat, he's like realizing that he's full of shit, and you know not just full of shit, but uh, you know coming up with having a hard time coming up with any explanation at all why that was okay to do. And so it's, it's easier to sympathize with somebody sort of acknowledge, him acknowledging the fact that it was shitty and that it was because of, you know, kind of his own shortcomings about it. That's easier to sympathize with than some, you know, intellectual explanation about how it wasn't wrong in the first place. Yeah. And the hat doesn't let him so, lie to himself about it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really just a, it, it's a really fun um, narrative device, I guess, because like, and it seemed to come at the perfect time too, because like we said, you know, it going through the first few, you're wondering, is this guy an asshole? What's going on? And then yeah. we get a way to answer that question in 
a way that I can't think of any other really way to do, other than maybe Harry sitting and reflecting himself, but that wouldn't have been quite as rewarding. This is more like a confrontation, right? But a confrontation with himself, but with a version of himself that isn't uh, going to rationalize with him. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of, I mean, the answer is like, yeah, it really is that, yeah, he's kind of an asshole. Um, But at least it's like, okay, but that's what, this is, you know, working through that is what this is going to be about rather than, oh, you just sort of have to get comfortable with the idea that terrorizing Neville is cool or that making fun of Ron because you think he's stupid is cool. Not cool, man. Not cool. <laughs> maybe, maybe it says something about Harry that how he treated Ron didn't even come up when he was under the hat, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he just, he, he considers, he doesn't even consider him worth thinking. He doesn't feel the least no, that's bit true. bad he about kinda, it. He sort of like snickers a little bit about some part of it, I and that may have been about just the Weasleys in general, but yeah, maybe there was uh, the whole list of questions that were Harry set in here to ask the hat about, which then they finally get down to sitting and addressing. Um, and we we kind of we skimmed over them, which is fine. But then the last one I think is worth diving into a bit because it's what we've been talking about. Um, Harry asked about, you know, is the Dark Lord um, in my scar? Is he? Is his ghost in here? Was I obliviated? What's going on? And is, you know, is that why I get so angry sometimes? And that's what the hat oh, wanted yeah. to talk to him about was like when, you know, you're, when you get angry, you notice that it, that it's different. Um, and there was, what was, how did the hat? Yeah. Happen? And the hat was kind of saying, it was like, you know, no, man, that's, you can't blame it on Baltimore. That's you. <laughs> like, so how does that feel? Oh yeah. I like, this was the part, um, the, the quote. So it was like, so Harry's thinking about, oh yeah. So when I spoke of your anger, you remembered how Professor McGonagall told you that she thought she sometimes saw inside you or something inside you that didn't seem like it came from a loving family. You thought of how, how Hermione, after you returned from helping Neville, told you that you'd been scary. Um, Harry gave a mental nod to himself. Uh, he says to himself, he seemed pretty normal, just responding to the situations in which he found himself. That was all. But Professor McGonagall seemed to think there was more than that. And when he thought about it, even he had to admit that dot 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 then the hat that you don't like yourself when you're angry, that it's like wielding a sword whose hilt is sharp enough to draw blood from your hand, or looking at the world through a monocle of ice that freezes your eye even as, as it sharpens your vision. I just think that that's fun and poetic, but um, then Harry says... Yeah, I pulled, that, I pulled that out too. Yeah. And then Harry says, yeah, I guess I have noticed. So what's up with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot that. But unfortunately, the yeah, then that's where he says, Ravenclaw or Slytherin will strengthen your coldness, Hufflepuff or Gryffindor will strengthen your warmth. Um, and that's what the hat cares about because it, all it wants is to fulfill its, its goals of the sorting. And so it's like, I need to make sure that I sort you in the place that's the best for you and the best for all the students and all the houses. Um, yeah, that one I thought was interesting. That was this little weird moment. Almost sounded like the hat was almost kind of hesitating where it was like, almost trying to say, you know, I might try to do something here that isn't necessarily for your good, but is for everybody's good. And maybe everybody's good will be against your interests. I, I don't. It's not so much that it really played out that way, but it, it was kind of interesting. The hat was kind of like hesitating. Yeah. Oh, well, I think the hat's unsure. Harry's a weird case. Yeah. And to, I know we're jumping around a lot in this episode, but I'm okay with it. Um, That's okay. It's, it's easy because I mean, because there's so it's not there's not like plot that advanced from point A to point B. So yeah. But what the, it does is like this. This is a long conversation, and then it jumps yeah. out and kind of builds tension. At the well, we'll get there, I guess, when we go through chronologically. But I did like how it's not lost on the rest of the world that, by the way, this is uh, 
yeah, that, that this is a long conversation and that while it's, you know, not a great deal of like story is happening, there's a lot happening here and everyone in the great hall is all quiet and awkward about it or not awkward uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, you know very reasonably because this doesn't usually take that long why has he been under there for like 20 fucking minutes uh, yeah. <laughs> so that would be so i was wondering as it was going on i'm like oh is this some sort of like you know science fiction time where like he's talking to the hat forever but only like 10 seconds go by in the real world but no apparently there's a whole class of hogwarts sitting there watching him wear a hat yeah <laughs> um so let's see. They, they talk about what he did with Neville, um, and he's unable to deceive himself anymore about what he was doing there. Um, let's see. Oh, you had this line that I liked uh, that you pulled out. Um, oh, yes. So let us trade fulfillments of our utility functions. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, perhaps not the most poetic sentence ever written, but <laughs> I think utility functions is, is a word that comes up a lot in the author's line of work. So... Um, yeah. you know, Harry wants this, the hat wants that. Okay. Let's see how we can mutually benefit each other, benefit each other mutually here. So, um, what do you think, you know, and you didn't pull out any of these that I'm surprised about. The hat seems convinced that Harry is dark Lord material. Um, yeah, I don't think I pulled them as quotes cause as far as quotes, they didn't, um, like the words weren't super important. I think like that whole, that whole argument was, um, was pretty intense but, and I think we're supposed to think it, I mean, at least, the, I mean, my takeaway and what I really liked about this was um, that maybe he is, and and this is like, we're going to work through that. Um, and yeah, and it also seems like this, I mean, it totally works for a story, but I think him doing, you know, stubbornly deciding that he's going to go in Ravenclaw is a really dumb idea. Like he is in the midst of making a stupid mistake. Um, at least that, that's how I'm seeing it. And it's cool. As far as story, I'm like, oh, that's, this is a really cool mistake he's making. And I wonder how that's going to work out. But like, I, at least my read was that like the hat totally won that argument and Harry just dug his heels in and said, now nah, fuck it. Um, so we're like watching him make a mistake. Uh, it's because especially because we undercut like all of his motivations for, oh my God, I have to go to Ravenclaw get exposed at the end as having really no justification except for this like non-specific neurotic desire to be perfect um for purposes that he can't really articulate um and that you know his kind of grandiose explanations for it have been kind of exposed as being you know full of shit um <laughs> so and at least that was my, my read of it was that like yeah that the this this was a the, the hat slam dunked this and we were watching harry ignore it um, which was really cool. I mean, as far as story, I thought that that was really cool to watch. But that was at least my my take of it. Nice, yeah. It's it was, I like you said, there was this sort of um, tense argument about it that I really liked too. And yeah. there's not much more I can offer there than what you put down. But yeah, it's yeah. Um, I just like. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's uh, that's what you, what I my first thought that I drifted away from was that like i think at least for me like like the hat is right like he is dark lord material and if he doesn't you know figure this shit out and this that same urge on his part to terrorize neville just because he's right um that he can come up with some justification in his head why that's a good thing to do like that's how you know that's how you become a you know major league dick um <laughs> so yeah at least i mean for that so it's like yeah that's i mean that's where that starts so that was my takeaway from it so Nice. Yeah, I like That's it. That's the last time I'm going to let myself use the phrase takeaway on uh, this podcast. Well, everyone take a shot every time he says takeaway. Um, there you go. I think, uh, 
I think that's the intended reading. And the hat even kind of gives him this warning, like, you know, this, I can't remember the exact words, but it's along the lines of, you know, this, this is a, this decision is a big fork in the road for you. And there might not be more forks after this. And you need to be really sure that this is what you want. Um, I think I get the read from this too, like the hat. If you tell it like, no, I don't want to go here. It won't do it. Like it won't put you there because it it wants to sort for your good too. So maybe it'll argue you into one house or another. Um, But the fact that, I mean, really, I don't know. It seems like if the hat had the kind of agency just to override what the student wanted, this would have been over a lot faster, right? Uh, I liked the the line where he's arguing with the hat about it and he says i am not dark lord material yes you are you really <laughs> you, really are you really are <laughs> i like there are a few times like i like the toe that just kind of like the, the dialogue for the hat yeah it was kind of a snarky hat then well he, and that's how it ends too like the hat's like psych yeah you're not really psych. right and that was that was kind of funny too because they they never even touch on on Slytherin during all of this because like it's mm-hmm. not in, in Harry's consideration that he'd ever be put there because it's obviously such a bad move for him. Um, you know, he, Harry's new to the wizarding world and so are we at this point, but even we get like evil kids in Slytherin. How does he put it? Evil kids in Slytherin want to be heroes in Gryffindor, smart kids in Ravenclaw, and all the people who do all the actual work in Hufflepuff. Oh, <laughs> everyone could probably hear that deep bass in my background because somebody's driving by with they do this every time they leave their parking spot several times a day. I can feel it shaking the I was floor. Never there. Um, anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, here's the part you're saying about um, what happens if you fail, et cetera, et cetera. And he's, I don't know. I know it's bad. And I think, yeah, the read on that that I have, my takeaway as well, is that he doesn't have a good reason. He's just so afraid of not living up to his potential, whatever that is, whatever that means, that he can't face the possibility of like well sure i could go be happy somewhere but he doesn't want that yeah. he he wants to be as awesome as possibly can he needs to be awesome yeah and i i really i think he did a really good job of of he sounded so lame like his reason sounded so lame i think it was well done the, the way he sounded lame was a really good contrast with you know his douchey arrogance you know up to that point yeah so. let's see um, oh yeah, so I like this quote too with the hat where it was, so you'll risk becoming a dark lord because the alternative to you is certain failure and that failure means the loss of everything. You believe that in your heart of hearts. You know all the reasons for doubting this belief and they have failed to move you. And Harry is simply, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even if, the, and then he says, you know, even if it strengthens the coldness, doesn't mean the coldness will win, or excuse me, the coldness will win in the end. And the hat says, this is a great day or this is a great fork in your destiny. Um, and it's, it, I have the same takeaway that you do that, you know, Harry is by every reason that we can see. And even every reason that Harry can see, cause he's introspecting better than anyone ever could. It's like, dude, you're fucking up here. Um, but he's, he's not moved by that fact. He says, fine, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll own this fuck up and just work harder in the future, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, to overcome that or something, but yeah. So, Oh, well, of course, there's there's the line that I liked a lot because this is uh, when he was out with uh, Professor McGonagall. Um, she had said that if he goes into Gryffindor, she will set the one who does the sorting on fire. And <laughs> he tells that to the, to the hat because the hat offers him Gryffindor. Um, he says, it's the most prestigious house people probably even expected of you. Um, your new friends, are, the Weasleys are there. And, uh, and they, that's when he snickers, right? That's yeah, they, they share this, this silent laugh. Um, 
and then oh yeah so this um yeah where she, where he tells the hat what McGonagall said like hey she said she might be headmistress someday at which point she, at which point she'll have the authority to set you on fire and he, the hat just says tell her I called her an impotent youngster and told her to get off my lawn <laughs> I shall <laughs> Um, if you set the sorting hat on fire, like how would they decide what houses everybody went into? Probably be like the same lame, the same way, lame way that college admins decide what dorm you'll go into your freshman year. A complete coin everybody toss. Has to I, send no enough, I never lived in a no, dorm. No, you send in a, you send in a, a little essay describing all your likes and dislikes, and some panel of nimrods makes some weird, arbitrary decision. Yeah, I wonder how much those people are paid, or if it's just. I, I, I would probably speculate just like there's the RAs from the previous year. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that that's, that's a very intensive process. I mean, I never lived in a dorm because I went to community college first, and mm. they don't make you go to a dorm if you're not starting your first year at a university. But the, uh, I mean, I've heard horror stories of people with terrible roommates, and it's like if this was a great deal of, you know, even if you just pumped a bunch of the word, like the keywords from your essay into a, into an algorithm that somebody wrote, that some grad student wrote as a project, you could get this shit for free and matched a bunch of keywords. There's no way you'd get as many problems as you get in real life with this. So, yeah, anyway. you know, I don't know anybody well that did the, cause there's like the college dorm room thing, but like even, you know, what Harry Potter's experience totally is, is the boarding school kid, the rich boarding school kid. But I wonder how true, like how true some of this stuff rings both like from this and you know from the original books i want to talk to somebody that went to boarding school that like how much of just kind of the personal interactions and stuff feel like real boarding school felt i would imagine not at all there's probably a lot more bullying yeah yeah i i don't know anybody who went through that either so um and maybe don't hang around with enough rich people special thing yeah yeah so then the hat is trying to play this joke on him at the end um and he's like, oh, I was waiting for this moment of horrified realization. And Harry's like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, you mean that you're going to like cease to be conscious? Because they had this whole horror about, you know, the hat being alive and, or being sentient and stuff. And uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, God, I give up. You're too slow. And, you know, forget it. I'll just have to say it outright. And then it calls out Slytherin and Harry completely freaks out. The people you know, gathered around, screamed. Some of them screamed because the t- pent-up tension was so great. And Hagrid gasped in horror. What did Snape, I think, Snape, like, dropped the goblet he was crushing? Yeah, straight into his groin. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's good. And then the hat says, just kidding, Ravenclaw. I guess because what, what are they, the hat's like, what are you going to do, fire me? Right. <laughs> so um, someone in the Discord had a fun question about this. Uh they let me find out who had said it um geez there's been a lot of talk in here i'll be able to get to everything uh let's see ah um david one of well there's two primary davids on our use on our discord and they change their name so often i get confused but i'm pretty sure this is david spearman um definitely and well you know what let me just triple check before i completely definitely maybe yep spearman anyway he says i wouldn't mind hearing how the two of you sort yourselves and I actually have a funny answer. Oh, to this Hufflepuff! One. Totally Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. I've known yeah? this forever. Yes. Why is that? Ah, uh, because I'm like a like my core competency is apathy, and I don't. Maybe it's sort of like I mean, and a lot of why this. I think I've said this before. Like why this stuff winds me up so much is because like I am, and I hope why I don't come across as like being 
kind of self-righteously critical of Harry. He's like, I so am like two inches away from acting like this Dick Harry version. And I think as I'm thinking about that, I'm even like, that's what I've been worried about. Like, I'm going to talk some, like say some kind of glib flip, flipping shit about this on the podcast. And then, you know, my dickishness will be recorded for posterity for an audience of uh, what looks like 2000 people now. Hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> well, like I said, but, every, so everyone like, that's, where you're coming from. No one's going to give you shit. Exactly. So. But so, that, I mean, that's and that, so that's why that stuff winds me up so much is that it's uh, I mean, I can definitely identify with it. The, and, you know, me myself being told, oh, he's so smart all the time. And then you kind of use that as your own, like, you know, trying to compensate for all your other insecure shortcomings. Um, so this is so, you know obvious to me but then but you know because of those little insecure shortcomings i can't imagine anybody that thinks of themselves at least in that sense of like oh i'm the like superhero guy gryffindor like some people like see like what gryffindor means differently and i could see that but like i don't know what kind of weirdo would just decide that they're a slytherin other than to sort of be emo Um, yeah i don't know any any people IRL who would sort themselves as Slytherin other than like the emo or edgy kids, yeah. right? I mean, this, yeah, edgy, yeah. The same so, people that are like Satanists. Right. <laughs> there is there's a difference, a subtle one anyway, between um, the houses in Methods of Rationality, at least the way that Harry puts them that I like. And the hat kind of concurred with him. Well, jokingly, because he quoted it back to him. But, you know, smart kids in Ravenclaw, evil kids in Slytherin, wannabe heroes in Gryffindor, and all the people who do all the actual work in Hufflepuff. Um, I guess what I like when I would say like, oh, I'm Hufflepuff is that, well, like in the actual books, it's really pretty vague. Like you don't have a great sense of, of, you know, what, what they each stand for. But at least for me, it was like, like Hufflepuff is like humble in like a good way. Um, so maybe it's more aspirational than I would be like Hufflepuff, but it's, and, and at least for me, like Ravenclaw was always, I didn't get the impression reading the books that what, what we've turned Ravenclaw into for this about being like the smart, sciencey kids. I didn't, that wasn't my, my impression of it when reading the book. That wasn't but, my impression either. Yeah. Yeah. From the original books. Um, um, oh, so, it was pretty vague. I, I don't know what I could have told you, like what Ravenclaw did mean. I guess I just like, they're the serious, hardworking kids. I don't know. That might have been what I what I would have said too. I honestly can't really remember what I thought of Ravenclaws back yeah. in the day. Um, I know that when I first read these books, you know, I wanted to be in Gryffindor too because I had aspirations of being a superhero. Um, <laughs> still do if I ever get the chance, but still waiting for my spider bite. Uh, yeah, I I think with this sorting, I'd probably still go Ravenclaw, which is fun because I don't know when you started at Vertifor, were they still doing the sorting hat when you were given your group, like after your boot camp uh... thing? No, and that may have been because I was because I was with the I was with the Ravenclaw kids. Yeah, so <laughs> well, I can't. Well, when I started there, survive the edit. But I was in the the core services. Was the, oh, you were in that too? Yeah, because we were the. So, that, that, so I was. They were specifically looking for seniors on an all senior team. So yeah, well, that's why this is so relevant. Because when I started there, um, there were fifty of us that all started on the same day. Fifty new devs, and they brought in like I think on day two. Um, the VP of development or one of the guys, he's like six feet, six inches. This giant dude came in wearing a tall hat and he was wearing the sorting hat. He was wearing a big purple robe and they literally had everybody come <laughs> out, put on the sorting hat and they called out the four oh, houses. And then they called out like some other random bullshit. Like they couldn't think of anything else that was, you know, even I didn't like the other, the other names, but I was sorted into Ravenclaw and that, was, that became Taco the core Cat. services team. Oh, and, see, I never heard that. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the Taco Cat house. And the unknown gnomes. 
yeah, the the unknown <laughs> unknowns, which I insisted on that name unknown because unknown. I didn't want like I wanted a team to be something that there could be units of. So they wanted it to be the unknown unknowns, but we went with gnomes, like garden gnomes. Gnomes. That was your anyway, idea. I was, that that, I was, was, the, that I was, was the team I was on. Was the ungnomes. That that was my idea as well. Was the un ungnomes, but um, yeah. So I have to go with Ravenclaw because I was legit in real life sorted into Ravenclaw for work. So <laughs> that that would be me, I guess. Then the the corollary question, not so much of the canon version because we already decided that they're kind of not clear. But um, what kind of people do you think would be sorted into to each house of the? Again, with the sort of throwaway definitions or throwaway categories we've got here. What? You mean just people in general? Like, yeah. How like, do we think, I mean, how do we think these houses guess, are being set up? Yeah. Like, I, I, I see Gryffindor as, you know, the people who, I don't know, like, thinking in the Harry well, Potter verse. So, yeah, I think, so depending on, on how the author's going to take this, I think there's... What he is initially trying to tell us is that basically, like, Gryffindor are for the douchey jock kids that think that they're way more important than they are and, you know, think that they're the hero of the story. It seems like like that's just kind of a straw man being set up and then we're going to, like, go look and know, you know, why do we have that, like, overly simplified idea of who these are. But so I don't know who, what, how we're setting up for who what kind of person would it really be. But I think that so right now it's just sort of at a caricature of, you know, the kind of person that wants to be the student body president or needs to be the quarterback. <laughs> so, and then again, like, and so Ravenclaw is like, oh, the smart kids, the intellectual kids. And again, I think we're playing with like, okay, but what does that really mean? Because I think that was the thing that the hat was, was talking him through was, you know, this arrogant need for you to be, you know, one of the smart kids in Ravenclaw because you're going to rule the universe is actually very Slytherin of you. So, and I think I think Slytherin is pretty much exactly what it has always been, which is just sort of like the you know sadistic, power hungry people. Yeah, the the dark ones, and yeah. um, not just you know, not necessarily be dark, maybe just like the the cutthroat. You know, yeah. I'm trying to think of like other fiction, like um, Cobra I Kai. I was, I was thinking. <laughs> Cobra Kai, Slytherin, sweep the leg. I'm thinking. Uh, did you ever watch House? Uh, a little Doctor bit, Show from. Yeah. Eh, it's it's there was a character that he literally nicknamed Cutthroat Bitch, and she would be a Slytherin for sure. <laughs> and then, like on the like the first team in the first few seasons, there was the one Doctor Cameron, and she would definitely just be a Hufflepuff, not because she's you know this Neville like pushover, but because she's constantly concerned with like doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that would be unethical. You can't do that. And that, mm-hmm. that screams Hufflepuff to me. And I guess that would force me to think that House would be a Gryffindor because he's like, no, fuck the rules. I'm going to do the right. House. I'm going to do the, the, the brave thing, the whatever. But that, I don't, I don't think actually kinda, House he's that, got that, that like, scheme very well. He has that like arrogant know-it-all thing for Ravenclaw. So Yeah, since he's l- literally Sherlock Holmes, we'd have to put him in whatever house to put Holmes into. Um, My best friend's kids were on that show. They were the, they were the uh, little girl. Anyway, which little girl? Uh, I've seen her what episode. was I didn't want? Uh, who was House's girlfriend? She had uh, a little daughter. House had a girlfriend. I guess. We'll have sure to get the bottom of this off here. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yes, they were how, twin girls that played one girl. Oh, that's interesting because there's also an episode with yeah. twin girls. Uh, I thought that's who you're talking about. I don't think so. How fun! I think, that's no, cool. they, yeah, it was 
And weirdly, they're uh, they're not identical twins, but they're fraternal twins that look so like each other that they could still play the same character. Fucking posers. As an identical yeah. twin, I take a front to that. <laughs> I'm an I'm an Wait, I'm you an only identical have half twin. a soul. You know, that was actually one of my earliest deconvert. This is getting far from method of rationality, but that was one of my earliest like deconversion like questions to myself because I was told that you were ensouled at conception. And in like mm-hmm. early grade school, I learned how twins worked because I'm sure I asked a, a teacher and or how uh, identical twins works. And you get mono, monozygotic twins and fraternal twins. And my brother and I are monozygotic, mm-hmm. which means that we were at one point one fertilized egg, which means that, yeah, we have half a soul. But I'm told from theology that that's impossible. So um, it God they, knew. God put two souls into one egg and that's why you're twins because you were. Yeah, crowded. of course. Yeah, it got, it got yeah. too got too crowded in there. That's um, that's why. Anyway, we don't want to leave in all that stuff about us talking about vertifor. I think people find that riveting. I think the yeah. sorting is super relevant <laughs> because I was sorted in real life into into there. What I might do is, well, I would censor the job name, but it's on both of our LinkedIn's. So fuck it. Anyway, let's jump over to the comments from the last episode. All right. So I thought it'd be fun since certainly since this was a little bit of a shorter episode to go into some listener feedback. Um, we had several comments on the uh, website for the last episode, and there was a um, there was well, I'll, I'll start off with one here that's just kind of a quick one um, by let's see how do you say that Inyash Brodsky? I don't know the <laughs> name doesn't ring a bell. It's a weird name. Um, Inyash says that fun note about hating Sherlock Doyle, the author, also hated Sherlock. He wrote the first couple stories as a way to mock the trendy detective stories of his time. He made Sherlock as a caricature of those detectives, with the absurd and unjustified leaps from trivial facts which don't actually follow, yet happen to be true by author Fiat. But Sherlock ended up being so awesome and popular that he kept writing these. Eventually, he got so disgusted with the whole thing that he killed Sherlock off, only to have his his readers become so incensed that he felt he had to bring him back again. So yeah, I guess these types of characters have a history of being divisive. <laughs> and he confirms that you're right about trust, but verify was Reagan's politically pro-light right. way of saying, we had like proof that you're not really, that you are really holding up your end of the nuclear disarmament, disarmament treaty. But trust but verify is still a good slogan to live by. So Yeah, I think, I think we actually did mention Sherlock in that episode, didn't we? I think because that's exactly why I hate that I've only read a little bit of it. So, you know, I should go back and read it with the idea that Doyle didn't actually like the character in the first place. That'd be interesting. Be like subversive, but being several years out of college now, my tolerance for glacially paced, fuddy-duddy English dialogue has gotten pretty thin. Nothing, nothing much blows up in a Sherlock story. <laughs> We've got a long comment here from Sandgrain, which I can't read the whole thing, but um, he does go over something uh, about the two four six task, which. Shit, I forgot to remind you. Did you do that to your daughter yet? I did not. Do you not want no, your $5? Yeah. I want my $5. Or are, are you afraid you're going to lose? Um, pretty sure. No, it's, it's actually really hard to make my daughter pay attention to much of anything for any extended period of time. I'll, I'll pay $10 it was so you can the, give her five of it. <laughs> was Because it, it wasn't it called, the 246 is referring to that, what was it called, Petals Around the Rose or something? Is that what we're... Well, that, that's what you and I played. Not. 246 is what Harry yeah. did with Hermione, which is really a much oh, better yeah, test yeah. of positive bias. And you kind of insisted that it wasn't as hard as Hermione made it look. And I insisted uh, that, yes, it was. Right. And so I said, I, we could just, right. rather than that's argue, true. we could settle, we can settle this by testing it experimentally. You've got an 11-year-old that you're in contact with 
bug her. And if she pass, if she can, not not if she passes, but if she thinks of test, you know, looking for negative negative answers, if she tries to falsify her her hypotheses as she's generating them, then then you get the five bucks, whether or not she wins. All right, all, all right. right. Well, Try next it. time on it. Promise I'll report back. So yeah, I would. Um, we kind of covered a lot of what Sandgrain here talked about, but just because it kind of came up organically already. But thanks for writing all this. It was great. And everyone should check it out on the website if they are um, interested in doing so. So let's see. Oh, did he call me a thoughtful person? See, I haven't read this stuff because I've been afraid of spoilers. Yeah, I'll oh, probably I'm screen read some stuff. That, but... in, case he said some, in case he said something bad about me later. <laughs> <laughs> My ego's very fragile. Let's see. Um, John, fake name. Love the name, John. Sounds legit. Said that, It'd be fun to include a segment of what Brian thinks will happen and what Brian wants to happen next in the story. And I'm happy to throw that at you right now, but it might be a little early think, for so that, where right? we, So he's getting sorted. I guess I'm not even sure like where we're going to go with the plot, but I'm going to think we're probably going to get more into like Harry bouncing around, especially if it's going to be like new kid at the new school thing. I bet we're probably going to bounce back and forth between Harry being an arrogant dick and that totally not working for him. I don't know. We'll see. Right yeah, on. Yeah, that's, that's what I like. That's what I want to see keep happening. It's like we start figuring out this whole, you know, Harry being a dick thing and why that doesn't work. I'm curious about that too. So. No, you're not. You already know what happens. Well, I can't just why? tell you. By the way, yeah, here's <laughs> here's what happens. But who knows? Maybe it's never resolved. Maybe we're just left to, to, to toil in it forever. Who knows? We're still waiting for that sequel, Eliezer. It's been five years. Eliezer's not your bitch. <laughs> uh, comic Re pulled out this quote. And I, I, I loved this when you said it, too. And it, it isn't the kind of thing that really I could paraphrase because it's as succinct as it can be. But so, Brian, where the author says... Like, I want to let you know this is a really cool idea, and I think maybe my enthusiasm kind of seeps through, so it makes other things kind of not matter as much. And this, where this weird secret sauce is telling a story and willing suspension of disbelief, it's not necessarily the amount of disbelief you're asking me to suspend, it's the amount you're making me willing to suspend it. Did you just pull that off the top of your head, or was that like something that you had articulated over years of reading books? Because that was like one of the most eloquent things I'd heard about... Eloquent, I... uh... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to yes, shy away from it. That's I, what it was. I don't know. I, that was just off the top of my head. Uh, thank you. Damn, but, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that was great. I guess, I mean, All I, I guess like that, was... that general thought I've had about like suspension of disbelief, I guess. Well, it, oh, yeah. it land, I'm glad it, it landed with uh, comic reads as well. Because that's cause... like the big difference between like fantasy and science fiction is because like in a science fiction book, we will nitpick all kinds of shit about, you know, oh, well, that couldn't work or whatever, but you know but oh dragons like can fly because reasons like it's totally fine so I mean, it's it's more about like how does stuff fit in so but that's kind of thing like in science fiction like it's sort of intentional that like they're telling you you shouldn't suspend your disbelief as much because look what could happen you know look what's actually plausible so but really like the bigger thing it's more about like the plot it's like you know and that's why i think a lot of the time like if you find yourself nitpicking about these things it means that like the story is failing because you've gotten distracted from the story and now you're starting to worry about you know did the hat know that or not and i think now we're at the point where like story is actually happening and so we can see yeah see i can't put it in a way that i feel like you would but you know (laughs) we, we, we can just uh 
we can we can roll with it and see what happens because we're invested enough to you know yeah. the, the, well, there's already getting, momentum get, yeah. yeah we're starting to get payoff for you know like that tension that's been building up about me wondering is harry just really a dick or is this part of a master plan it's not it's a nice feeling though let's be like okay this is part of like this was planned so it's more more like i can sort of like trust the author like okay i'm being taken on a trip um and i can just see where it goes rather than me having to like keep like anxiously wondering like oh is this just you know 600,000 words written by a dick that thinks it's okay to torture neville or it was like no it's like it's like oh okay no there's a plan to this okay let's see where it goes well yeah i i concur <laughs> um i had a last thing on well i guess second to last on the the comments on the last episode hate 9 is in college for computer science and they did the 246 task it's a and as they point out, this is a, a well-known thing. Eliezer didn't make it up for the story. He says that, or they say, excuse me, that nobody in the class got it right on the first or even second try. They had already read Methods of Rationality, so they didn't answer because it'd be cheating. But Hate Nine says that, I think you're giving people too much credit. Most people will do significantly worse than Hermione did on Harry's test. So it sounds like that $5 is safe in my pocket, man. Just saying. Fine. I don't know. We'll see. Of course, I could just completely lie and you'll think my daughter's a genius. But that was kind of my point, though. It's not, you see, if she gets it, it's not that it's like genius. It's that really, like, I don't know. I think we all tell ourselves that we're a lot smarter than we are. No, I think what it is is that we all know we would have failed the 246 task, and everybody is kicking me, and I'm kicking myself for not having given it to you before we did that chapter. <laughs> because I, I'll never get that opportunity back again. And there aren't there are a couple of other things a little like it, but really you it's... You could have me. If only. Um, and I think uh, there was another comment here by Fiery Victory Star... And it's, it's a little too long to read the whole thing on the air, but kind of they're just, uh, they're reflecting a lot of the the same sentiment we're talking about here with the reasonableness of expecting somebody to be that, not scientific, it's not even scientifically literate, just that um, that computationally ahead. You know, they, they had said here uh, that they fell for the, the 246 task and so did almost all of their friends. And anecdotally on the Discord, some people have said they've offered people money as an incentive to get the answer right, and many of them still don't. So I think, uh, to paraphrase what uh, Fiery Victory Star is pointing out, is that people, I think, are disagreeing with how easy you think the kind of scientific process of, or the cognitive process of falsification is. But we can just, again, we'll settle it next week. You get back to me. You, you bug your daughter for five bucks right. and see if it works. All right. But I'll, I I'll let you like know how, like, how much she has to struggle with it, too. Like maybe she fun. gets it, but it was like took forever or something. I don't know. We'll see. Cool. Well, let me see here. I should jump over as long as I'm looking at stuff for the comment section on the last episode. Once again, uh, X Cron. Well, sorry, man. Or sorry, X Cron Oblivion. You've got too many X's. It's confusing. But X X Cron Oblivion X X makes these awesome posts every week, and it has you know full of uh, links and rules about how to mark your spoilers and stuff. Um, and then they write up these really thoughtful analyses of each chapter. So really do check them out. But Brian, you can't click the spoiler stuff, so don't. Okay. I mean, it, it would take away a lot of the fun of and spirit of the project. So let's see. Yeah, I really should have read these beforehand. I will, you know what? I'll add these to the backlog for um, listener feedback to get into for the next episode. So yeah. I think yeah, that's it the, for me, man. Um... Yeah, I can read that stuff in advance, too. Cool. As long as it's been pre-screened. And then I think for the next episode, you know, it's going to be... I mean, it's, it's a bit of a word account, but I think it's the only fun way to get... Because 
13 and 14 really tie into each other and 12 is just it, it's a lot of fun so i think we're going to do yeah. 12 13 and 14 for the next ones okay yeah the re- i mean the reading time hasn't been a problem at all i think it's uh is it enough can we get through talking through it i think it's more the the limiting factor yeah i think my goal is to keep these under two hours and so far we're not really risking hitting that so um we should be good on those ones and they're they're a lot of fun so i i've i've read ahead and listened ahead just to uh you know do it but because i i'm excited i i'm in we're, we're finally getting to where everything gets fun and good. So Good stuff. Um, and by all means, read Chapter 11, but it's a make, so we won't be reading it. It's, okay. I'm assuming that's Japanese for throwaway or something or, or non-canonical or non-whatever. But anyway, it's funny. So um, yeah, so ch- next week we'll be doing Chapters 12, 13, and 14. Cool. Cool. Any closing right. notes from you, man? No, we talked it out. That's a good chapter, though. At this point, any like... I think we already touched on it but formally any like predictions you want to render and we can add them to the spreadsheet that i haven't started making yet predictions uh i don't know yet something we're we're due to dip back into something slytherin i'm not sure yet sort of like like thematically we're due to like build up some tension with the whole slytherin thing what what do you mean whole slytherin thing i don't know just some sort of there's there's there needs we're, we're due to have some sort of like dramatic tension between involving Slytherin. Maybe it's like Harry with Slytherin or people getting freaked out that maybe Harry's being too friendly with Draco. And we're going to revisit that whole thing with like Draco talking to his dad. And I'm guessing that's coming in soon. All right. I will. I'll put together a spreadsheet where we can, because once, <laughs> once we get into more like actual plot stuff, there'll be more room to make like speculations and all this and that. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be fun to go through and mark off which ones are right, which ones are wrong, which ones either. Yeah, we don't we don't be. have like a big like oh what's happening next thing. It's sort of like okay we're we're kind of at a starting point now. Exactly, yeah, because it's hard to say like what's going to happen next because it's like well nothing. It's not that nothing yeah, is happening. There's nothing hanging. There's nothing hanging for us to wonder how it works out. Exactly, that's a good way to put it. All right, man. Well, then that's it for me. Alrighty. Thanks for thanks for doing this and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That was a see you really next time, everybody. Cool. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks. All right.